This is Chapter Two of Happy Homes and the Hearts That Make Them by Samuel Smiles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by John Greenman. Chapter Two Healthy Homes. The best security for civilization is the dwelling. B. Disraeli. Cleanliness is the elegance of the poor. English proverb. Virtue never dwelt long with filth. Count Rumford. Health is said to be wealth. Indeed, all wealth is valueless without health. Every man who lives by labor, whether of mind or body, regards health as one of the most valuable of possessions. Without it, life would be unenjoyable. The human system has been so framed as to render enjoyment one of the principal ends of physical life. The whole arrangement, structure, and functions of the human system are beautifully adapted for that purpose. Happiness is the rule of healthy existence. Pain and misery are its exceptional conditions. Nor is pain altogether an evil. It is, rather, a salutary warning. It tells us that we have transgressed some rule, violated some law, disobeyed some physical obligation. It is a monitor which warns us to amend our state of living. It virtually says, return to nature, observe her laws, and be restored to happiness. Thus, paradoxical though it may seem, pain is one of the conditions of the physical well-being of man, as death according to dr thomas brown is one of the conditions of the enjoyment of life to enjoy physical happiness therefore the natural laws must be complied with to discover and observe these laws man has been endowed with the gift of reason does he fail to exercise this gift does he neglect to comply with the law of his being then pain and disease are the necessary consequence. Man violates the laws of nature in his own person, and he suffers accordingly. He is idle and overfeeds himself. He is punished by gout, indigestion, or apoplexy. He drinks too much. He becomes bloated, trembling, and weak. His appetite falls off. His strength declines his constitution decays, and he falls a victim to the numerous diseases which haunt the steps of the drunkard. Society suffers in the same way. It leaves districts undrained and streets uncleaned. Masses of the population are allowed to live crowded together in unwholesome dens, half-poisoned by the mephitic air of the neighborhood. Then a fever breaks out, or a cholera, or a plague disease spreads from the miserable abodes of the poor into the comfortable homes of the rich carrying death and devastation before it the misery and suffering incurred in such cases are nothing less than willful inasmuch as the knowledge necessary to avert them is within the reach of all wherever any number of persons live together the atmosphere becomes poisoned unless means be provided for its constant change and renovation if there be not sufficient ventilation 
the air becomes charged with carbonic acid principally the product of respiration whatever the body discharges becomes poison to the body if introduced again through the lungs hence the immense importance of pure air a deficiency of food may be considerably less injurious than a deficiency of pure air every person above fourteen years of age requires about six hundred cubic feet of shut-up space to breathe in during the twenty-four hours if he sleeps in a room of smaller dimensions he will suffer more or less and gradually approach the condition of being smothered shut up a mouse in a glass receiver and it will gradually die by rebreathing its own breath shut up a man in a confined space and he will die in the same way english soldiers expired in the black hole of calcutta because they wanted pure air thus about half the children born in some manufacturing towns die before they are five years old principally because they want pure air humboldt tells of a sailor who was dying of fever in the close hold of a ship his comrades brought him out of the hold to die in the open air instead of dying he revived and eventually got well he was cured by the pure air the first method of raising a man above the life of an animal is to provide him with a healthy home the home is after all the best school for the world children grow up into men and women there they imbibe their best and their worst morality there and their morals and intelligence are in a great measure well or ill trained there men can only be really and truly humanized and civilized through the institution of the home domestic purity and moral life are in the good home and individual defilement and moral death in the bad one the schoolmaster has really very little to do with the formation of the characters of children these are formed in the home by the father and mother by brothers sisters and companions it does not matter how complete may be the education given in schools it may include the whole range of knowledge yet if the scholar is under the necessity of daily returning to a home which is indecent vicious and miserable all this learning will prove of comparatively little value character and disposition are the result of home training and if these are through bad physical and moral conditions deteriorated and destroyed the intellectual culture acquired in the school may prove an instrumentality for evil rather than for good the home should not be considered merely as an eating and sleeping place but as a place where self-respect may be preserved and comforts secured and domestic pleasures enjoyed three-fourths of the petty vices which degrade society and swell into crimes which disgrace it would shrink before the influence of self-respect to be a place of happiness exercising beneficial influences upon its members and especially upon the children growing up within it the home must be pervaded by the spirit of comfort cleanliness affection and intelligence and in order to secure this the presence of a well-ordered industrious and educated woman is indispensable 
so much depends upon the woman that we might almost pronounce the happiness or unhappiness of the home to be woman's work no nation can advance except through the improvement of the nation's homes and they can only be improved through the instrumentality of women they must know how to make homes comfortable and before they can know they must have been taught women must therefore have sufficient training to fit them for their duties in real life their education should be conducted throughout with a view to their future position as wives mothers and housewives but among all classes even the highest the education of girls is rarely conducted with this object among the working people the girls are sent out to work among the highest classes they are sent out to learn a few flashy accomplishments and men are left to pick from them very often with little judgment the future wives and mothers men themselves attach little or no importance to the intelligence or industrial skill of women and they only discover their value when they find their homes stupid and cheerless men are caught by the glance of a bright eye by a pair of cherry cheeks by a handsome figure and when they fall in love as the phrase goes they never bethink them of whether the loved one can mend a shirt or cook a pudding and yet the most sentimental of husbands must come down from his ecstatics so soon as the knot is tied and then he soon enough finds out that the clever hands of a woman are worth far more than her bright glances and if the shirt and pudding qualifications be absent then woe to the unhappy man and woe also to the unhappy woman if the substantial element of physical comfort be absent from the home it soon becomes hateful the wife notwithstanding all her good looks is neglected and the public house separates those whom the law and the church have joined together men are really desperately ignorant respecting the home department if they thought for a moment of its importance they would not be so ready to rush into premature housekeeping ignorant men select equally ignorant women for their wives and these introduce into the world families of children whom they are utterly incompetent to train as rational or domestic beings the home is no home but a mere lodging and often a very comfortless one we speak not merely of the poorest laborers but of the best paid workmen in the large manufacturing towns men earning from ten to fifteen dollars a week or more than the average pay of dry goods and grocers clerks though spending considerable amounts on beer will often grudge so small a part of their income as two dollars per week to provide decent homes for themselves and their children what is the consequence they degrade themselves and their families they crowd together in foul neighborhoods into dwellings possessing no element of health and decency where even the small rental which they pay is in excess of the accommodation they receive the results are inevitable loss of self-respect degradation of intelligence failure of physical health and premature death even the highest-minded philosopher placed in such a situation 
would gradually gravitate toward brutality a healthy home presided over by a thrifty cleanly woman may be the abode of comfort of virtue and of happiness it may be the scene of every ennobling relation in family life it may be endeared to a man by many delightful memories by the affectionate voices of his wife his children and his neighbors such a home will be regarded not as a mere nest of common instinct but as a training-ground for young immortals a sanctuary for the heart a refuge from storms a sweet resting-place after labor a consolation in sorrow a pride in success and a joy at all times sanitary science may be summed up in the one word cleanliness pure water and pure air are its essentials wherever there is impurity it must be washed away and got rid of thus sanitary science is one of the simplest and most intelligible of all the branches of human knowledge perhaps it is because of this that like most common things it has continued to receive so little attention many still think that it requires no science at all to ventilate a chamber to clean out a drain and to keep house and person free from uncleanliness sanitary science may be regarded as an unsavory subject it deals with dirt and its expulsion from the skin from the house from the street and from the city it is comprised in the words wherever there is dirt get rid of it instantly and with cleanliness let there be a copious supply of pure water and of pure air for the purpose of human health take for instance an unhealthy street or block of streets in a large town there you find typhoid fever constantly present cleanse and sewer the streets supply it with pure air and pure water and fever is forthwith banished is not this a much more satisfactory result than the application of drugs fifty thousand persons says mr lee annually fall victims to typhoid fever in new england originated by causes which are preventable the result is the same as if these fifty thousand persons were annually taken out of their wretched dwellings and put to death we are shocked by the news of murder by the loss of a single life by physical causes and yet we hear almost without a shudder of the reiterated statement of the loss of tens of thousands of lives yearly from physical causes in daily operation the annual slaughter from preventable causes of typhoid fever is double the amount of what was suffered by the allied armies at the battle of waterloo by neglect of the ascertained conditions of healthful living the great mass of the people lose nearly half the natural period of their lives typhoid says a physician is a curse which man inflicts upon himself by the neglect of sanitary arrangements the connection is close and intimate between physical and moral health between domestic well-being and public happiness the destructive influence of an unwholesome dwelling propagates a moral typhoid worse than a plague itself where the body is enfeebled by the depressing influence of vitiated air and bodily defilement 
the mind almost of necessity takes the same low unhealthy tone self-respect is lost a stupid inert languid feeling overpowers the system the character becomes depraved and too often eager to snatch even a momentary enjoyment to feel the blood bounding in the veins the miserable victim flies to the demon of strong drink for relief hence misery infamy shame crime and wretchedness mere improvement of towns as respects drainage sewerage paving water supply and abolition of cellar dwellings will effect comparatively little unless we can succeed in carrying the improvement further namely into the houses of the people themselves a well-devised system of sanitary measures may ensure external cleanliness may provide that the soil on which the streets of houses are built shall be relieved of all superfluous moisture and that all animal and vegetable refuse shall be promptly removed so that the air circulating through the streets and floating from them into the houses of the inhabitants shall not be laden with poisonous miasmata the source of disease suffering and untimely death cellar dwellings may be prohibited and certain regulations as to the buildings that hereafter to be erected may also be enforced but here municipal authority stops it can go no further it cannot penetrate into the home and it is not necessary that it should do so the individual efforts of the community themselves are therefore needed and any legislative enactments which dispensed with these would probably be an evil the government does not build the houses in which the people dwell these are provided by employers and by capitalists small and large it is necessary therefore to enlist these interests in the cause of sanitary improvement in order to ensure success individual capitalists have already done much to provide wholesome houses for their working people and have found their account in so doing by their increased health as well as in their moral improvement in all ways capitalists imbued with a benevolent and philanthropic spirit can thus spread blessings far and wide and were a few enterprising builders in every town to take up this question practically and provide a class of houses for laborers with suitable accommodation provided with arrangements for ventilation cleanliness and separation of the sexes such as health and comfort require they would really be conferring an amount of benefit on the community at large and at the same time we believe upon themselves which it would not be easy to overestimate but there also needs the active cooperation of the dwellers in poor men's homes themselves they too must join cordially in the sanitary movement otherwise comparatively little good can be effected you may provide an efficient water supply yet if the housewife will not use the water as it ought to be used if she be lazy and dirty the house will be foul and comfortless still you may provide for ventilation yet if offensive matters be not removed and doors and windows are kept closed the pure outer air will be excluded 
and the house will still smell musty and unwholesome in any case there must be a cleanly woman to superintend the affairs of the house and she cannot be made so by act of congress the sanitary commissioners cannot by any notification convert the slatternly shrew into a tidy housewife nor the disorderly drunkard into an industrious home-loving husband there must therefore be individual effort on the part of the housewife in every working-man's home as a recent writer on home reform observes we must begin by insisting that however much of the physical and moral evils of the working classes may be justly attributable to their dwellings it is too often the case that more ought in truth to be attributed to themselves for surely the inmate depends less on the house than the house on the inmate as mind has more power over matter than matter over mind let the dwelling be ever so poor and incommodious yet a family with decent and cleanly habits will contrive to make the best of it and will take care that there shall be nothing offensive in it which they have power to remove whereas a model house fitted up with every convenience and comfort which modern science can supply will if occupied by persons of intemperate and uncleanly habits speedily become a disgrace and a nuisance a sober industrious and cleanly couple will impart an air of decency and respectability to the poorest dwelling while the spendthrift the drunkard or the gambler will convert a palace into a scene of discomfort and disgust since therefore so much depends on the character and conduct of the parties themselves it is right that they should feel their responsibility in this matter and that they should know and attend to the various points connected with the improvement of their own homes homes are the manufactories of men and as the homes are so will the men be mind will be degraded by the physical influences around it decency will be destroyed by constant contact with impurity and defilement and coarseness of manners habits and tastes will become inevitable you cannot rear a kindly nature sensitive against evil careful of properties and desirous of moral and intellectual improvement amidst the darkness dampness disorder and discomfort which unhappily characterize so large a portion of the dwellings of the poor in our large towns and until we can by some means or other improve their domestic accommodation their low moral and social condition must be regarded as inevitable we want not only a better class of dwellings but we require the people to be so educated as to appreciate them a certain landlord took his tenantry out of their mud huts and removed them into comfortable dwellings which he had built for their accommodation when he returned to his estate he was greatly disappointed the houses were as untidy and uncomfortable as before the pig was still under the bed and the hens over it the concrete floor was as dirty as the mud one had been the panes of the windows were broken and the garden was full of weeds the landlord wrote to a friend in despair the friend replied you have begun at the wrong end you ought to have taught them the value of cleanliness 
thriftiness and comfort to begin at the beginning therefore we must teach the people the necessity of cleanliness its virtues and its wholesomeness for which purpose it is requisite that they should be intelligent capable of understanding ideas conveyed in words able to discern able to read able to think in short the people as children must first have been to school and properly taught there whereas we have allowed the majority of the working people to grow up untaught nearly half of them unable to read and write and then we expect them to display the virtues prudence judgment and forethought of well-educated beings it is of the first importance to teach people cleanly habits this can be done without teaching them either reading or writing cleanliness is more than wholesomeness it furnishes an atmosphere of self-respect and influences the moral condition of the entire household it is the best exponent of the spirit of thrift it is to the economy of the household what hygiene is to the human body it should preside at every detail of domestic service it indicates comfort and well-being it is among the distinctive attributes of civilization and marks the progress of nations we need scarcely refer to the moral as well as the physical beauty of cleanliness cleanliness which indicates self-respect and is the root of many fine virtues and especially of purity delicacy and decency we might even go further and say that purity of thought and feeling results from habitual purity of body for the mind and heart of man are to a very great extent influenced by external conditions and circumstances and habit and custom as regards outward things stamp themselves deeply on the whole character alike upon the moral feelings and the intellectual powers moses was the most practical of sanitary reformers among the eastern nations generally cleanliness is a part of religion they esteem it not only as next to godliness but as a part of godliness itself they connect the idea of internal sanctity with that of external purification they believe that it would be an insult to the maker they worship to come into his presence covered with impurity hence the mohammedans devote almost as much care to the erection of baths as to that of mosques and alongside the place of worship is usually found the place of cleansing so that the faithful may have the ready means of purification previous to their act of worship the common well-being of men women and children depends upon attention to what at first may appear comparatively trivial matters and unless these small matters be attended to comfort in person mind and feeling is absolutely impossible the physical satisfaction of a child for example depends upon attention to its feeding clothing and washing these are commonest of common things and yet they are of the most essential importance if the child is not properly fed and clothed it will grow up feeble and ill-conditioned and as the child is so will the man be grown people cannot be comfortable without regular attention to these matters every one needs and ought to have comfort at home 
and comfort is the united product of cleanliness thrift regularity industry in short a continuous performance of duties each in itself apparently trivial the cooking of a potato the baking of a loaf the mending of a shirt the darning of a pair of stockings the making of a bed the scrubbing of a floor the washing and dressing of a baby are all matters of no great moment but a woman ought to know how to do all these before the management of a household however poor is entrusted to her why asked lord ashburton in a lecture to the students of the wolvesey training schools was one mother of a family a better economist than another why could one live in abundance where another starved why in similar dwellings were the children of one parent healthy of another puny and ailing why could this laborer do with ease a task that would kill his fellow it was not luck or chance that decided those differences it was the patient observation of nature that suggested to some gifted minds rules for their guidance which had escaped the heedlessness of others it is not so much however the patient observation of nature as good training in the home and in the school that enables some women to accomplish so much more than others in the development of human beings and the promotion of human comfort and to do this efficiently women as well as men require to be instructed as to the nature of the objects upon which they work take one branch of science as an illustration the physiological in this science we hold that every woman should receive some instruction and why not because if the laws of physiology were understood by women children would grow up into better healthier happier and probably wiser men and women children are subject to certain physiological laws the observance of which is necessary for their health and comfort is it not reasonable therefore to expect that women should know something of the laws and of their operation if they are ignorant of them they will be liable to commit all sorts of blunders productive of suffering disease and death to what are we to attribute the frightful mortality of children in most of our large towns where one half of all that are born perish before they reach their fifth year if women as well as men knew something of the laws of healthy living about the nature of the atmosphere how its free action upon the blood is necessary to health of the laws of ventilation cleanliness and nutrition we cannot but think that the moral not less than the physical condition of the human beings committed to their charge would be greatly improved and promoted were anything like a proper attention given to common things there would not be such an amount of discomfort disease and mortality among the young but we accustom people to act as if there were no such provisions as natural laws if we violate them we do not escape the consequences because we have been ignorant of their mode of operation we have been provided with intelligence that we might know them and if society keep its members blind and ignorant the evil consequences will be inevitably reaped 
thus tens of thousands perish for lack of knowledge of even the smallest and yet most necessary conditions of right living much might be said in favor of household management and especially in favor of improved cookery ill-cooked meals are a source of discomfort in many families bad cooking is waste waste of money and loss of comfort whom god has joined in matrimony ill-cooked joints and ill-boiled potatoes have very often put asunder among the common things which educators should teach the rising generation this ought certainly not to be overlooked it is the most common and yet most neglected of the branches of female education the greater part of human labor is occupied in the direct production of the materials for human food the farming classes and their laborers devote themselves to the planting rearing and reaping of oats and other cereals and the grazing farmer to the production of cattle and sheep for the maintenance of the population at large all these articles corn beef mutton and such like are handed over to the female half of the human species to be converted into food for the sustenance of themselves their husbands and their families how do they use their power can they cook have they been taught to cook is it not a fact that in this country cooking is one of the lost or undiscovered arts thousands of artisans and laborers are deprived of half the actual nutriment of their food and continue half starved because their wives are utterly ignorant of the art of cooking they are yet in entire darkness as to the economizing of food and the means of rendering it palatable and digestible great would be the gain to the community if cookery were made an ordinary branch of female education to the poor the gain would be incalculable among the prizes which the bountifuls of both sexes are fond of bestowing in the country we should like to see some offered for the best boiled potato the best grilled mutton-chop and the best seasoned soup or broth in writing of a well-boiled potato we are aware that we shall incur the contempt of many for attaching importance to a thing they suppose to be so common but the fact is that their contempt arises as is often the origin of contempt from their ignorance there being not one person in a hundred who has ever seen and tasted that great rarity a well-boiled potato in short we want common sense in cookery as in most other things food should be used and not abused much of it is now absolutely wasted wasted for want of a little art in cooking it food is not only wasted by bad cooking but much of it is thrown away which frenchwomen would convert into something savory and digestible health morals and family enjoyments are all connected with the question of cookery above all it is the handmaid of thrift it makes the most and the best of the bounties of god it wastes nothing but turns everything to account every woman ought to be accomplished in an art which confers so much comfort health and wealth upon the members of her household 
many intelligent high-minded ladies who have left disgusted at the idleness to which society condemns them have of late years undertaken the work of visiting the poor and of nursing a noble work but there is another school of usefulness which stands open to them let them study the art of common cookery and diffuse the knowledge of it among the people they will thus do an immense amount of good and bring down the blessings of many a half-hungered husband upon their benevolent heads women of the poorer classes require much help from those who are better educated or who have been placed in better circumstances than themselves the greater number of them marry young and suddenly enter upon a life for which they have not received the slightest preparation they know nothing of cookery of sewing of clothes mending or of economical ways of spending their husband's money hence slatternly and untidy habits and uncomfortable homes from which the husband is often glad to seek refuge in the nearest public house the following story told by joseph corbett a birmingham operative before a parliamentary committee holds true of many working people in the manufacturing districts my mother he said worked in a manufactory from a very early age she was clever and industrious and moreover she had the reputation of being virtuous she was regarded as an excellent match for the working man she was married early she became the mother of eleven children i am the eldest to the best of her ability she performed the important duties of a wife and mother but she was lamentably deficient in domestic knowledge in that most important of all instructions how to make the home and the fireside to possess a charm for her husband and children she had never received one single lesson as the family increased so everything like comfort disappeared altogether the power to make home cheerful and comfortable was never given to her she knew not the value of cherishing in my father's mind a love of domestic objects not one moment's happiness did i ever see under my father's roof all this dismal state of things i can distinctly trace to the entire and perfect absence of all training and instruction to my mother he became intemperate and his intemperance made her destitute she made many efforts to abstain from shop work but her pecuniary necessities forced her back into the shop the family was large and every moment was required at home i have known her after the close of a hard day's work sit up nearly all night for several nights together washing and mending clothes my father could have no comfort there these domestic obligations which in a well-regulated house would be done so as not to provoke the husband were to my father a sort of annoyance and he from an ignorant and mistaken notion sought comfort in an alehouse my mother's ignorance of household duties my father's consequent irritability and intemperance the frightful poverty the constant quarrelling the pernicious example to my brothers and sisters the bad effect upon the future conduct of my brothers one and all of us being forced out to work so young that our feeble earnings would produce only 
one shilling a week cold and hunger and the innumerable sufferings of my childhood crowd upon my mind and overpower me they keep alive a deep anxiety for the emancipation of thousands of families who are in a similar state of horrible misery my own experience tells me that the instruction of the females in the work of a house in teaching them to produce cheerfulness and comfort at the fireside would prevent a great amount of misery and crime there would be fewer drunken husbands and disobedient children female education is disgracefully neglected i attach more importance to it than to anything else for woman imparts the first impression to the young susceptible mind she moulds the child from which is formed the future man end of chapter two healthy homes read by john greenman